Amen. Grab your seats if you would. and um, Let's go to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. I think one thing we need to adopt into our vocabulary is that it's never really goodbye, right? It's, it's we'll see you later. Um, whether it's on earth or in heaven, we will see you later. Um, at the end of service, I'm going to bring Phil and Cindy up. He's, t- he's teaching our teenage, our kids right now. And um, for many of you that don't know, he and Whitney kind of tag-teamed this vision that Whitney had of starting a children's church. And they're averaging 60 to 70 kids every Sunday um, that they're literally preaching to and ministering to. So I know this isn't easy. I can't even look at Cindy. She's back there crying. So um, Sophia just captured our hearts, and so did they. And um, I just think that God never says goodbye. Um, I think when Jesus ascended, he did not tell his disciples goodbye. He said, I'll see you again. I'm coming again. And I think that's how we should be in the family of God. Unfortunately, that's not the way it is today. Unfortunately, people walk out. Unfortunately, people leave and leave people behind. They hurt people. We've adopted a phrase and actually made it to where people use it as an excuse called church hurt. You know, to where we just walk away, right? We just turn our backs on people that we're supposed to be spending eternity with. And I think it's important that we realize that um, the will of God and the desire of God needs to be more important than our emotions, more important than our feelings. Um, I have literally tried every way possible to hint to keep those two foreign exchange students here. I've offered to write visa requests and do different things, but you know what we got to realize is God put them in the country they're in for a reason, shared them with our country for a reason, and is calling them back to their country for a reason. Uh, At our youth conference, Sophia came up to me, she was in tears, and, and we were talking, going up the stairs, getting something to eat, and and she just said, we don't have this in our country where we just sit and people pour out emotion and people care. And I said, well, maybe that's why God brought you here. It's not to take back our culture. Because the worst thing to do is try to go to Portugal and bring American culture. Matter of fact, America needs to go to the other parts of the world and bring back some actual culture. Um, but to go and say, hey, there are ears that want to hear. Isn't that a verse in the Bible that anybody else love this verse? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. And I think in our lives, there's got to become a point of our lives. American mindset to give the wants to give to someone today to give the word of encouragement that God wants to give to someone today and up to support someone and stand by them because you and I are the hands and feet of God. And Jesus even said, when we do this, even to the least of these, we are doing it to him. And so I've said it before. I'll say it again. A mom is praying today and God is through his Holy Spirit is laying on you the calling that would be the answer to her prayers. If we would just simply respond. A mom is pleading on behalf of her son and daughter. And that son and daughter may be sitting on the row you are, or maybe sitting at the table beside you at lunch. He's pleading out. And while you may think it's a coincidence or a feeling, it is actually a movement of God that is happening from the knees of a living room to the table, to the table or that you're sitting at or the seat that you're sitting in. And you are the answer to someone's prayers. You're not just the answer to someone's prayer. You are the ambassador of heaven that God has sent to speak on his behalf to make him known. 
Jesus came to make a father known because in the Old Testament, we saw a judge. In the Old Testament, we saw someone who had to deal with sin and someone who did not deal with sin lightly. Someone who had to make, make statements and say that this is not right because there hadn't been an answer yet. I almost went to Leviticus today to preach. And I almost preached from Leviticus 16 where Aaron has to go before God after the death of his two sons. And he has to give sacrifices to God to cleanse the holy place, to cleanse the tabernacle because his sons had misused God's presence. And as a result, they died. And so one of the instructions that God gave to Aaron is he said, hey, I want you to go get a bull and you're going to sacrifice that bull, your bull, not somebody else's, your bull. And if you know anything about that, a bull is a money source. It is the king of the cattle. It is what reproduces your wealth. And in our day, we look at our wallets and their day, they looked at the fields. And you know what God said to Aaron? Hey, Aaron, you lost your sons, but I want you to go get the provision of your life and give it to me. What That we deserve the death. We deserve the sacrifice. Because he died, we live. We today are the same ambassador. We're to go with the presence of God, the power of God and preach God. We're to go into the highways and hedges, in the places that are common and paved highway, in the hedges, the places that nobody's willing to go. Thorns and nasty and hurtful. And God has called us not to the ministries that are easy. And yes, you're the answer to a prayer, but you're also supposed to be an illustration of who God is. That's an ambassador, full power, full authority, and everything he said. Everything she says represents the United States of America and any country that they're in. As if they are speaking and it's the president himself speaking, that's the authority an ambassador has. And when God looked down, he said, I'm not going to make you slaves of heaven. I'm going to make you children of heaven. I'm not going to make you slaves of heaven. I'm going to make you ambassadors of heaven. And I'm not just going to send you out and say, look at my poor, weak, pitiful child. No, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you influence. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you giftings. I'm going to give you callings. I'm going to give you prophecies and tongues. I'm going to give you the ability to encourage, the ability to inspire. And I'm going to send you out so that that as you speak, it's as if the King of Kings, the Almighty God, the Alpha and Omega, is speaking into the lives of the people we come in contact with. But the truth is, we are not good ambassadors. Anybody say amen to that? In other words, can we ask ourselves this question? Would God say the things we have said to the people we have said them to? Would God be harsh and bitter with someone who is broken? and sad would God be a know-it-all 
He is a know-it-all. But does he ever make you feel like one? No. Does God know your screw-ups and your mess-ups? Yes. Does he bring them up? No. Does he bring up grace and mercy? Yes. Does he convict of sin? Yes, not to condemn, but to set free. A conviction of don't do it, don't go there. You know what this is going to do to you. Don't say it. You know what this is going to do to them. You may feel like you're justified. You may feel like it's okay. You may feel like they deserved it. They hit first. They said first. You can respond. But God would never handle a person the way we do. Agree or disagree? Does God handle his children like we handle ours? That's a good one. Does God lose his temper with us? Or is he patient and kind? I mean, I, I, can we just go down through this list of this freebie sermon that has nothing to do with notes today? That literally as I sat here and my heart began to break, as I realized that I'm going to have to say goodbye to people that mean the world to us and God just speaking, it is not goodbye. See you later. But when we see you again, will we see you still serving Or will we see you standing around the throne of God bringing those with you that you have gone out to serve? Now, I know that we sit here and we say he's talking to three people. No, I'm talking to everybody. When we see you this Monday, when we see you this Wednesday, when we see you next Sunday, will we see you with the people that God has called you to? Not saying go get them and bring them to church. What I'm simply saying is this. Will we see you with a life of impact and influence? Will we see you as someone who has gone out and brought healing into bad situations, restoration into broken marriages and relationships? Will we see you as someone who believes you? a scapegoat because I'll promise you this every person Jesus healed every person he did a miracle to that he said don't tell anybody they could not shut up they could not stop talking they had to tell somebody what God had done they had to run with their bed that they used to lay on they had to walk in front of people that used to see them begging they had to have joy and praise instead of mourning and loss there was a change that could not be contained and at some point we got to ask ourselves Are we the lepers that come back to Jesus and say thank you? Or are we the selfish that say we're entitled and deserve this and run and forget the one who set us free? Forget the mercy that we've received. Forget the grace that's been bestowed on us. I was talking with, uh, I think, Betty and Libby. Um, Last week, Libby can correct me. I don't know where she's at. um, I was talking with her and I was saying, sometimes I forget the grace I've been given. Anybody in here? And sometimes I want to really go off on somebody for being stupid. Anybody else in here? And then God always meets me there and says, what right do you have? What right does any person in here have to point out the sin of another? You say, well, they are doing this. Can I give you a statement? I want you to write it down. If we would talk about Jesus as much as we talk about other people, we'd see a lot more people in heaven than we're going to see as a result of the way the church is in its current condition. If we would testify, I even asked somebody this past week, you know, as they, as they were telling of something, somebody said, I was like, wait, what I don't understand is how we get to this place in our minds that we feel like we can condemn the sins of others because even in doing though, we're sinning ourselves with gossip and slander. And the Bible says in, in Proverbs, he hates those things. He hates the tongue that causes division. He hates the tongue that slanders others. And yet we feel like we can point the finger and be justified in the sin that we are currently living in. By the way, that's why in Galatians 6, it says, help those that have fallen, but don't fall into sin. It's not saying that you're going to do the same thing they did, but it's easy to have the news that everybody wants to know. It's easy to be the the first one to tweet it. The first one to, how many of you have ever had that itch that you heard something and you just felt like you, it could be good too, but you heard something and you just wanted to tell everybody. How many of you have had that itch, right? Your wife's pregnant, and my wife is not, but your wife's pregnant, and she says, don't tell anybody till after the first trimester. And you're like, what fun is that? You know what I mean? And if you're David, you can't wait. And you, you, you got to tell somebody. And so what you do is you try to find the people you investigate who can keep their mouth shut, and you're like, I got to tell you something or I'm going to explode. It's like we got to be the news bearers. Why is it that we're so interested in bearing the news of the world, but we're not interested in bearing the news of the gospel? 
We're so interested in getting the word out about what he did or he said or she said or she did and not getting the news out of there's a God that loves you, that yes, he knows your sin and yes, he doesn't like your sin, but he sent an answer for your sin and he sent a calling for you away from it. And God is calling you to freedom today. We need people today that are ambassadors of God taking the news. So let's talk about one of God's ambassadors. That a good segue into where we're at. In Numbers 22, we're going to talk about a donkey. And when God uses a donkey to speak, now I've said this before, if God can use one donkey, he can use another. All right? And so if you've ever been called the jack word, you qualify to be a speaker of God today. If you've ever been called the person that is worthless, you qualify. If you've ever been called the thing that that doesn't matter, you qualify. God can use donkeys. But we're going to talk about the story of Balaam. How many of you have heard this one? How many of you say, I have not heard the story of Balaam? Slip your hand up. Come on. You either have or you haven't. Be active. Ready? Here we go. All right. Everybody just get your hands up and do this for a second. I, 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 don't know. I ask DJs, like, why do I talk to people sometimes and they just stare at me and don't respond? It is the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. All right. So let's do that again. How many of you have heard this story before? All right. How many of you have never heard this story before? Slip your hand up. Okay, we're about half and half, so let's do it, all right? If you've heard it, all right, feel free to join in. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it, but in Numbers 22, Balak is the king of Moab, and he has heard what happened in 21 and 20, and as this Israelite who uh, is, and I I did some research on this number, it's estimated that they were 2.5 million people, 2.5, and I don't know about you, but that's a lot of people. And all of a sudden, they're going town to town, city to city, and they're knocking it out of the park. They're taking down fortified cities. They took down Jericho just walking and shouting and praising. They went into the city of the Amorites, and and the Amorites tried to resist them. All they asked the Amorites to do was let us pass through, and they said no. And so they brought their army against them, and it was a mistake. Because, by the way, write this down. Even if the enemy wants to come against the movement of God in your life, he doesn't have the troops necessary to do and accomplish his will because God's will cannot be stopped. And so they get all around them, and now all of a sudden Balak looks and he says, I am scared. Look at this, if, if you would, in verse number 5 of 22. He sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Baor, who was living in his native land of Pethor near the Euphrates River. He, he messaged, said, look, a vast horde of people have arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. May the devil once again in our lifetime say that about the church of the living God. May he one day get to the place where he says there's a vast amount of people who have left their Egypt, their bondage, their sin, their suffering, and now they are a threat to my kingdom. I believe today that the American church is not even something Satan has to worry about. I believe he has got the church of America so pitted against each other. He can go out there and get our children. He can go out there and get our families because he knows he doesn't have to bring the fight in the church because the church will fight itself. Am I right? Like a dog chasing its tail. And may we, in our minds, may we as individuals say, God, I have been set free. I am the scapegoat. And I want my life to be a threat to the enemy today. I want my life to have power. I want my life to have the influence and impact. I want my life to stand in the gap, in the hedge, in the way of what Satan's trying to do in America. I believe this. If you believe today that your vote will save America, then I I challenge you to examine your heart because the savior of a country doesn't come in a ballot. It comes in a heart and a mind that is committed to God and said, I will serve no matter what. I will do it no matter what. I'll raise my kids. I read an article this week that said that they're in another state trying to make it child abuse to withhold the, the transition surgeries from your children to, from, from male to female. They will label you as a child abuser. It's getting their church, and I'm going to tell you this right now. If that comes into law, I will go down a child abuser because my kids are not going to just be laid on the altar of sacrifice to what the enemy wants to do in their lives. We will preach the truths of God no matter or what anybody else says. Can you say, well, I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I have the thoughts of what if something happens to me? 
What if something happens to me about my family's provision, about my family's protection? And, and the only time that thought is in my mind is when I'm under the illusion that I'm their provision and I'm their protector. And if they take my life, they still have Jesus and he's way better at providing and provision and protection than I am. Anybody say an amen to that? The truth is, is we have got to get back to a place where we realize that we are playing into the enemy's dialogue to be okay with things that God has said is not okay. And before we get all tied up into the, yes, homosexuality is wrong. Yes, transgender is wrong. Yes, this is not what God intended. Yes, this isn't what, so is your lying, your backstabbing, your, 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 your chasing lust and all of our greed and covetousness and all that. Let's get back to the basics that if we're looking at somebody else and we're mad because they get a solo and we don't, that we've broken a Ten Commandment too. And, and we hear it in New Testament, if you broke one, how many have you broken? All. Oh. Man, so now I can't go judge the people that disagree with me. I can say I'm just like you, but can I introduce you to the love of God? We're the same. Romans 2 says the the bad part is, is we know better. We know better. He sent his messengers and said, there's this fast horde. Look at verse number six. Please come and curse these people. Isn't that something? How would you love to be known as that guy? But hey, when you curse somebody, it works. Like, what a, what a dude Balaam is. Because they are too powerful for me, then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless, and curses fall on any people you curse. Can I tell you this? Satan is an imitator. What was the promise to Abraham? I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. And here you see the same dialogue from a pagan. Blessings fall on people you bless. Curses fall on people you curse. When we try to take the right to judge from heaven, we put ourselves in a dangerous position. You're about to find out Balaam's in a bad position. Now look at this. It says, look, he said, and and then verse number seven, Balak's messengers who were elders at Moab and Midian set out with money to pay Balaam to place a curse upon Israel. They went out to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. I wanted to be like, what do you think God's going to say? This is his chosen people. If you know anything about the word of God, what do you think God's going to say about you going out and giving a curse to them? You, 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 you know the writings, you know the truth, and yet you still in your mind think that you need to go to God about this. I, I, I wrote this in my notes, maybe write it in yours. Stop praying about things that go against God's plan. When God has already said right and wrong, don't pray about it. There ain't no need. He has already established the truth. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I think we're pleading with God to change his truth to match our desire. Anybody say guilty? Raise your hand. I got to go with that one. I'm guilty of that. Like, I, sometimes I'm like, okay, God, I know that you tell us not to be lazy, but can you, can you just really rein this event out? Can you really do these things? Anybody else ever thought like that? If you're an outdoor worker, sometimes that might be a little bit easier to say, okay, God, send a storm so I can stay in bed. But what did God say? Don't be lazy. If you're lazy, you don't eat. Get up and go. But yet we'll be like, oh, God, send a storm. Don't, by the way, you cannot ask God to change who he is. It's impossible. So Balaam goes and he says, okay, stay here overnight. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked him, who are these men visiting you? Verse 10, Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them from the land. I circled this one, verse 12. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. Hey, and by the way, who would that message be for us today? Everyone. What is the blessing that God has given to everyone? Jesus. And I don't care who your worst enemy is, and we said this in our eternal reality series, we should never wish someone to hell. We should never tell someone to go to hell. We should understand that the blessing of God is on every life, even the people you don't like today. 
Even the people you don't care about today. I'm tired of people in the name of Jesus treating other people like they're scum. God has never allowed that, never said that that's right. There's no one too low that God cannot reach and save. And no one too dirty that God cannot clean. That's good news for you and me, isn't it? Because we've been dirty and low. But here's the great news. We have too many people today that are thinking of themselves as better than others. You know what I think? We have forgotten where we came from. We have forgotten the grace and mercy that we have received. I am no better than you. And whether you believe it or not, you're no better than me. What equifies and gives us a stable ground to stand on a level playing field is that the cross gave equal salvation and equal power of God to all. And thank God I have been to the cross, seen the empty tomb, and have a living Savior living in my heart. Anybody else say me too? Hey, here we go. We got to get to this mindset. They've been blessed. They've been blessed. The people you want slive to fall apart, they've been blessed. The people you want to attack, the people you want God to take down, they've been blessed. Don't curse what God has blessed. And God has put his blessing in this day of grace on every single person that you and I ever have encountered. The next morning, Balaam got up, went to Balak's officials, go home. The Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and reported, and Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials. In other words, hey, these are your influencers. He sent TikTokers and Instagrammers and all these people. And not the peons who had 20 followers. He's now sending the people with millions of followers, the people that people know their names. He's sending the the people that are the famous singers and the people that are the, the famous ones. That's what he's saying. He took the people that everybody knew and tried to influence them. Be careful when the world is trying to cozy up to you. Because it's not trying to take you towards God, it's trying to take you from God. Be careful when the world recognizes the influence of you, it will try to change your ways to it. One of the things that I'm thankful for, and, and I don't normally quote these things, but kind of got sucked into American Idol this year. And, and, and one of the girls, Megan, and don't ruin it for me, I know tonight's the finale. Um, I, I, what, what's his name? Luke Bryan literally sat at one of the things that she was voted into the top eight or seven. And he said to her, the one thing that I love about you is you are not afraid to stand on your faith. And I thought right then and there, God, let that girl win. Let somebody see that standing for what is right, singing the Christian song, throwing yourself out there, going against the normal, that it does produce success. The world only shows you what it wants you to see. But I promise you right now, there are more people experiencing the power of God than we realize. There's more good happening in the world than we see. There's a movement. There's a revival. There's people getting saved by the thousands overseas, by the tens of thousands. We're sitting here waiting on revival because we're arrogant enough to think that it has to start in America. But I tell you right now that all over the world, there's a movement to God. Jews returning to Israel, things lining up because Jesus is coming back. And before he does, there will be a revival. If America thinks it has to happen here, we're sadly mistaken. We're only 330 million out of 7.4 billion. We make up a fraction But I'm going to say this, and I pray this. God, don't let the Philippines have it. I want some too. Don't let them get it all. Let's do something here. And we find in Chronicles that if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and what? Yeah, there's no vote that takes place. There's just people hitting their knees. And I'm saying it figuratively. That means you're driving down the car just talking to Jesus. That means you're in your kitchen cooking up or you're in your workplace and you're just talking about Jesus. But we got too many people that care more about sports and their kids getting good at a sport they'll never be a professional at than we do have them caring about getting their kid to daggum children's church so that they can learn a foundational thing that'll last forever. And I don't mean that to be judgmental. I just, I'm, I'm preaching to people that are here. But the reality is this, if we prioritize the world's agendas over God's agendas, then don't be mad at God when it doesn't work out and you find yourself stressed, overloaded, and falling apart. I'm telling you now, at some point, God's got to be the most important thing. At some point, you got to give it to him. But the world's going to try to make it look pretty. It's going to try to make it look, you have to do this. You have to go with us. No, you don't. You don't have to agree with things that go against God. 
You don't have to back down on things that are true. You do have to stand, here it is, in love with his truth. His word is truth and spirit, right? It's truth because it's, it's tangible. We can grab it. It's spirit because the power of God comes behind it and makes it happen. All right? So are y'all with me? Y'all got this? All right. I'm about to have a heart attack up here. Y'all better get something out of this. But Balaam responded. I actually wrote my notes here. No amount of earthly wealth is ever worth being outside of the will of God. No amount of worldly fame, worldly fame is ever worth being outside of the will of God. No amount of recognition is worth being outside the will of God. No amount of influence, power, or position. But what is the things that we seek the most? Relevance. And if we only knew how relevant we were in heaven, maybe it would change the way we lived on earth. If we only knew how much we meant to Jesus, how much we meant to God, maybe he would mean a little bit more to us here. So they send these people and Balaam responds to the messengers. He says, even if Balak, verse 18, were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. You see this war? Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. The very next word gets him in trouble. He has the truth. The very next word changes his safety. At this point, do you believe that Balak's a believer? Say yes or no. Yes. At this point, do you believe that he knows what God has commanded for him to do? Say yes or no. Because he's saying, your palace full of silver. Still, I'm powerless. To the will of God. That's a powerful statement. Here's a mess up statement. But. Now I said it before and people get mad when I say it, but I don't even care. Our but always gets us in trouble. Am I right? I'm not going to say the rest. If you've been here, you know it. But stay here one more night. There it is. There's where the American home has fallen apart. There's where the American church has fallen apart. Now, these aren't messengers of Satan, if you would, but they're messengers of the enemy, which symbolic and applicable to our life would be the demons of hell showing up at our front door, wouldn't it? It'd be, be, you heard what your kids are listening to. By the way, there's apps that you need to put on your kids' stuff. There's things out there that will let you know when explicit lyrics are going through their phones. And you say, well, I want to protect their privacy. Satan wants you to. He wants you to let what you won't even decide, let decide what they're going to eat for dinner, decide what they're going to listen to and, and build their beliefs on. You won't even let them pick sweets to eat. They got to eat their vegetables. They got to eat some protein. You don't trust their food decision. You don't trust their ability to drive. You don't trust their ability to date at 13, 14, but you'll trust their ability to download. And what they're downloading is what's being downloaded into their minds and in their lives. And it's building belief systems. I sat with a mom in our office and she showed me this app and I pulled it up and it, it, it pulled up a lyric and we read the lyrics to a song and we listened to a song that was written by a very famous singer and the whole song is about self-harm. Promoting it. Saying, I want to cut myself till I bleed. Slash my face until I can't see. I want everybody to do this. I heard, I heard, I want to die. I want to this, I want to that. And, and here's this precious little girl that's hearing that. And you know what? It's tempted by self-harm. You know why? Because demons are showing up to church today. Yeah. And demons aren't the people. I've, I've said it. I've heard it said. We've said it in our Monday night class. Chris said it at a lunch we just went to, and I'm going to say it again. If you and I could see the demons in this building, we would totally hit an altar and give ourselves to God. And you say, well, they're not here. I promise you they are trying to distract you from God's truth. They're trying to anger you to God's message. They're trying to turn your ears off, your bladder squeezing. Something's coming after your phone's reason, ringing. I got two leads since I started preaching. I mean, the things are happening to try to get you off track because God has a message for you today and Satan has destruction for you today and he's wanting you to listen to his influence and not what God has for you. We're living in a world that thinks Fox News and CNN's telling the truth. 
I made sure I hit both of them. We live in a world today that thinks that what we see on Facebook is real. We should have learned from the Jefferson County hoax of an active shooter that just because somebody you know posted it doesn't make it real. You know the person's life who was in danger that day? The boy they accused of jumping the fence, being the shooter. When they rolled up on that boy, they thought he was the one that had killed people inside. Thank God for the grace and mercy of the officers who saw the panic in his face instead of the color of his skin. And you say, oh, we can't say those things. We need to say those things. We need to realize that there's, there's so many things happening in the world and in the church that God does not want to happen. And too many people are saying, hey, I know this isn't God's will for me, but stay here one more night. Stay here one more night. My husband has a pornography addiction, but we need the internet. We can't stream our Netflix without it. My kids are drowning with negativity and they're down on themselves, but I don't want to be the parent that tells them they can't have social media. And we would rather let the enemy stay one more day than to simply say, I'm powerless to the will of God. And so are you. So this won't go any further. Paul and them are walking down the street and they're preaching and they're teaching. And I'm not stripping, but I'm burning up. So I'm losing this thing, okay? We're going to go back old school for a second because my Sunday best is underneath the shirt, all right? So this used to be all I wore, all right? But they are, are, are going back and forth and they're, they're having these dialogues and they're, they're throwing out these things and saying these things to people and, and doing this. And Paul is teaching and he's, he's trying to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe it was Paul. But he, he, all of a sudden, these two ladies start following and mocking everything that they're doing. And for three days, as they preached, this kept happening. And by, the Bible says, finally, they got sick of hearing it. And they turned around and they rebuked it. And as soon as they rebuked it, the demons that were in the the ladies left and they converted to Christ and what used to be the heckler become a praiser of God and I've said this and I'll say it again how long is the church of the living God going to let Satan have the microphone at what point are we going to turn around and say no more will you speak into our home no more will you speak into our radios no more will you speak into our children Oh, like Joshua, let's choose today to serve the Lord, no matter what the cost. Let's let everybody else serve what they're going to serve. But let's raise a mom and a dad, a wife or a husband, a single that says, I'm choosing Jesus. Stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. But only do what I tell you to do. I used to get very confused by this passage. Because in the very next verse it says, So the next morning Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. I was like, wait a minute. He told him in verse 20 to go. But the truth is, he had already told him in verse 12, no. Balaam was the one that said, but, and God said, you got free will. You got free will. I've already answered this, but you're letting them stay, so go. But you better do what I tell you. And I'm going to tell you this right now, just because you think it's right does not make it right. And just because it feels good does not make it good. And just because it feels real does not make it real. How many of us, be honest, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but search your heart. How many of us right now are living in lifestyles and making decisions that we know that God has said no to, but we think it's not so bad. I'm not cheating. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not lying. I'm not stealing. I'm not this. I'm not that, but I am overeating. I am doing that. You fill in the blank and it's just like, well, you know what? Like, it, 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 I'm not bad. You know why? Anytime you can get to a place that you don't feel bad because you don't think your sin is bad enough, you're comparing yourself to others and not to Jesus. You're comparing yourself to the world and not to the standard of God. If you got that, say got it. I literally asked the lady this week. A certain situation was going on in life. A major decision needed to be made. 
And as they were pouring out this major decision, I looked at them and I said, are you 100% right with God? I'm not perfect. That's not what I asked you. Are you 100% right with God? In other words, you're going to church. You're a tither. You're a giver. You're generous. You serve the Lord. You're in the Bible. You're in the word. The word's in you. You're praying every day. You're seeking God every day. You're walking with God every day. You're trying to witness for God. You're going after the lost. Are you right with God? Well, no, I'm not doing most of those things. Then you have no right to make any major decision in your life right now. Because any decision you make right now is going to be based on your feelings and not on God's truth. Well, I can't be perfect. When do we think that being a student of God's word means we have to be perfect? You can still pass a test with an A and not be an expert at the subject. Am I right? You can still be somebody who studies and is still getting better. Matter of fact, if you're a teacher, you have to continue education. Am I right? If you're a doctor, they call it a practice. And you're a doctor. Because medicine's evolving and you have to keep learning. Any professional licensed state that you're in requires you to keep learning about the professional licensed state that you're in. You know why? Because you never know it all. You never get it all. There's always something new that somebody didn't think about. And in order to keep my real estate license, I have to have 16 hours of education every two years. If I ever go get my broker's license, it's 120 hours. And you're saying, why, why, why? Because no matter how much you study God, you'll never know everything about him. No matter how much you go to church, you'll never be perfect. But my God, let's not get to the place that we know the things that God has told us and yet still say, but I'm going to let you stay another minute. But I'm going to get up and go. God has said no, but you said so. And that does not work. It ends with him. Write that in your notes. It ends with him. It ends with him. You're like, but I've been praying and he ain't answering yet. Well, Habakkuk teaches us that sometimes the answer to your prayer is delayed because God is not trying to fix you and bail you out. He's trying to sustain you and give you endurance and we want a pickup and God says I want to stand you up I don't want it God's not like I'm going to carry you through life two footprints in the sand and blah 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 God's saying I want to walk with you get your feet on the ground and get your butt right and let's go it shouldn't be but stay here it should see but God said no God said no so you're wasting your time you better go and why was God angry? Because Balaam knew not to go, but let him stay anyway. Don't give place to the devil today, the church. Don't give an inch. Don't give one more second of listening. When temptation comes, get to God as fast as you can. Go to prayer. Go to his word. You say, well, how do I know that works? Because Jesus modeled that in the 40-day temptation that he was in. He rebuked every temptation with the word of God. You say, I don't know the word of God. My grandpa, one of the things that he taught me is he said, son, I used to be a heavy smoker and I'm not, I'm not going against your cigarettes, but he said this, I, God convicted me one day to give it up. And by the way, if God convicts you to give it up, give it up. Here's a good way. But here's the thing. He said, so I used to keep a pack of cigarettes right here. He was old school Marlboro, right? You carried it with you right there. You had the big pocket. And he said, and when God convicted me and told me to get rid of it, I took that out and I put a New Testament. Y'all remember those little New Testaments? He said, I put a New Testament in its place. And every time I went to grab a smoke, I pulled out the word of God instead of a cigarette. And I knew I had to stop and read it. And it might sound bad, but you sometimes get sick of God's word because it's convicting. Am I right? And you, you pull it out enough, you realize, holy cow, I'm reading this thing a lot. Now, you, you might not be cigarettes, but I mean, how many of us have weaknesses to sugar? Where are you at in the room? Salt, where are you at in the room? All right, you know what I mean? Like, hey, how many, what, what would happen if in our refrigerator we had our Bible standing up and we opened it and we were like, oh, man. You know? I mean, what if where the remote control was at 2 a.m.? You said the word of God when you can't sleep. I mean, that's convicting for me. I'm just simply saying, I circled it, I underlined it, I, I, I drew lines from here to here in my Bible, and I simply said, God's anger didn't come from the fact that he went, God's anger came from the fact that he knew he shouldn't go, but still asked God to let him go. God will give you free will, but free will doesn't also mean it's going to work out good. You still with me? 
left and let's knock it out. I only get to preach once today. My little girl has a dance recital second service. So I'm, I'm sneaking out, so Chris is going to preach. So I'm going as long as I want. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Let's do this. So the next morning, Balaam got up and said, oh, God was angry. Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. I titled today's sermon, Roadblocks. He had a roadblock. And Balaam and two servants were riding along. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with drawn sword in hand. And the donkey bolted off into the field. But Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to stop him. You know what good news is? And I want you to write this down. You need to thank God for the people in your life that can see what you cannot. Because life can be blinding sometimes, can't it? Overwhelming sometimes, can't it? And thank God for the people in your life. I had one of the elders literally say in a nice way, it wasn't a bad conversation at all, saying, hey, I'm not going to be a yes man in your life. I need to tell you something. And you know what? I told him I have no offense on that. Like, I, I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we go to elders meeting and it's not all let's sing kumbaya and agree. It's let's work through and sometimes work through some very difficult things, but let's take it to God and make sure it's right. And then every time we start to get off track, Wade's like, hey, we forgot to open in prayer. I've noticed the trend. He'll stop us, we'll pray, and the whole dynamic of the room will change. Not that it's arguing, and am I right, Howard? It's never arguing or combative, but sometimes, you know, we're human and we see things our own way, and I'm thankful that sometimes God, Garrett was the one that said it to me, so I'm, I'm glad that Garrett's a donkey. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> I'm glad that God puts them in your life, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, it was a donkey that stopped Balaam from losing his life. It was a donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem the day that they were saying Hosanna that would lead to the day that they would say crucify. God uses the simple things that we think are meaningless, the simple things in our lives. And I'm not saying he's simple, very smart man, but God will use the people in your life that he has surrounded you with to see your blind spots. And you say, well, I don't have those people. Then I want you to write these words on your notes. Get a small group now. Don't wait. Don't delay. Get in. You say, well, I don't have one that's around my age. Open your door of your living room and invite one person to show up and start a small group centered on God's word. And then invite somebody else and invite somebody else and invite somebody else. If you get over 10, then get them to go start their own. You say, why? You need people in your life that will say there is danger. There's a roadblock. So here's what I wrote down. Because three times, Balaam beats this donkey. The angel of the Lord stood further on down. This time, the donkey saw the angel. It, 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 it kind of tried to squeeze against, and it, it hurt Balaam's foot trying to get by. I love that God will allow pain, but not destruction. I mean, he went by the angel. The angel could have taken Balaam's head off right there. But, but instead, God keeps trying to get his attention. Don't ever tell somebody that God will give up on you because he will not. He will keep trying to get your attention. But sometimes it takes pain for us to change. Agree or disagree? Crushes his foot. Balaam gets off, beats him down. Verse 26, then the angel of the Lord started further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. So this time the donkey saw the angel and just laid down. That's a smart donkey. The angel of the Lord stood in a place too narrow. So the donkey laid down. So Balaam, true to nature, beats the donkey with a staff. Here's what I wrote. Number one, stop beating down the protection of God in your life. I'm going to give you three areas I see people beat down. Preachers that preach the truth. We're living in a world that if you preach the truth, you're going to be a bigot. You're going to be a white supremacist. You're going to be a racist. You're going to be faced with jail. You're going to be faced with threats of death. But I'm going to preach the truth in love because I'd much rather get in the way 
than to open the road to destruction. Friends who give the advice we don't like, a lot of times we beat them down. I had somebody one time at the stage years ago came up to me. They were in needing recovery and they wanted everything recovery could do. And they were blaming the recovery for not helping them. And I said, are you saved? And they looked at me and they said, no, I don't know Jesus. And I'm like, I don't care what recovery you try. You are powerless to the enemy until you get Jesus and the enemy becomes powerless to what lives in you. You need to get saved. But, but no, you need Jesus. One of their friends a week later came up to me mad saying, they'll never come back to this church because of you. I said, why? They said, all they said is you kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I said, I said Jesus three times. But maybe it's all that they heard me say because it's truly all that they need. And it's not me that's saying it's the Holy Spirit saying, you don't need your 12 steps until you get Jesus. You don't need your recovery team until you get Jesus. I tried to quit alcohol without him and couldn't. I even had to fight with him to get it done. But in the name of Jesus Christ, it was defeated. Not in the name of Josh Moore, not in the name of my own abilities, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Stop getting mad at the friend that doesn't tell you to get a divorce. Stop getting mad at the person that stands in your way and says, that's a bad idea and you need to go apologize. That you were too harsh and you need to lighten up. Don't get mad at that friend. Thank God for the donkey that won't let you go to destruction. And we are trying too much to beat up the pastors, to beat up the friends, to beat up the last one I put on here is the counselors who won't give us the counsel that we want to hear. So we go get another counselor and another counselor and another counselor. And people say, well, why don't you counsel anymore? I do, but I don't have the same counseling appointment twice. If the second counseling appointment sounds like the first one, I'm done until you decide that you want to make a change in your life. I'm here. I'll support you. But we're not going to be a record that's on repeat. You can't just keep going to people hoping they say what makes you feel good. If you want to be good, get off the donkey and get on your knees before God and let him be the leader of your life. Not your will, not your desire, not your wants, not the opinions of others, but God himself. And we got too many people beating up the people that are trying to set us straight. Parents standing beside the kid because the adult that's actually trying to mentor and teach them says something that offends them. And so we attack that person that's in the fight with you while giving in to the kid that doesn't need to have the ability to make their own decision because they're in a rebellious mind. Are you following this today, church? We got too many people that are just like the people that nailed Jesus to the cross. Because he won't become the king you want, he'll become the sacrifice. And because they won't say what you want to hear or do what you want them to do, you'll end the friendship? No. Those are the ones to grab in. Those are the ones to draw close to. Those are the ones to listen to and to lean on. If God be for us, who can be against us? But too many of us are trying to make our friends say and do what we want them to do. And thank God for the friend that somebody looks at you and says, I won't do this. Because if I do this, I know what it's going to do to you. I remember Wade going through a very difficult season of his life. And remember we met at the end down here at Jasper Jones. You were in a passenger seat of somebody's van. A devastating bomb just went off in his life. Literally news that was crippling. And for some reason, his rehab gave him a three-day pass. I was not happy because that's at the moment he needed it the most. And I remember them pulling up and him saying, if I could just get a six pack, it'd be the last one I drank, but I just need it. Remember this? And I looked at him and I said to him with tears in my eyes, I'll take you anywhere in life you want to go, but I will not take you to the road of destruction and drop you off. I remember that's the only time in my life I've ever seen you mad. And I went and got my car and I cried as I drove away. A few months later, he disappeared. How long were you gone, bro? It was over a year, wasn't it? Maybe two. And you know what I did to myself through that time was beat myself up. If I had just got him that six pack, maybe he wouldn't have ran. I was calling, found out who his boss was and I called him. I called him so much that his boss told me to leave him alone. Because he's such a good employee and so skilled that his boss was making good money off of him. And his boss got mad at me. 
Matter of fact, when, when Wade called me, I'll never forget the day he called me and I heard his voice on the other end. It was like my heart just came alive again because I knew God in that. We, we, he, I don't even remember the conversation. All I knew was how, how quick can we get you back? Two weeks later, his boss called and cussed me out because he was just a workhorse for him. But in the kingdom of heaven, he's a name engraved on the palm of Jesus' hand. He's a name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Two years, I thought, a year or whatever, I thought to myself, I, I killed my friend. What I didn't realize is God was still using those moments in his life, even far away. In my Bible that my wife gave me for our wedding, in the front of it, you'll find every note that that man wrote me um, before he went into rehab. In my desk, you'll find every letter he wrote me from it. In the back, you'll find a quarter that a little girl gave to me. On the front page, you'll find a note that my wife wrote to me. And I look at this and I expose the word of God and I'm not adding to or taking away, but I'm saying, hey, there's truly life in this word. There's truly God moving in this word. Moments that I've seen in myself and moments that I've seen him move. And I don't know about you, but I've got so many testimonies of God's goodness. Yeah. So many testimonies of his provision. But sometimes I want to get mad at the people who want to keep me godly. Sometimes I just want to be mad at people and my wife won't let me. So I'll get mad at her. Oh, uh, by the way, that's where we currently are. I went to Jeff County graduation and got treated like crap by a few people. And I literally got in the car and I was like, I can't believe they did this and did this. And here's what my wife said. And she said, um, if you can't see the 50 people that God put around you today that was so excited you were there because you can only see the three, you're in the wrong. You know what my reply is? Why can't you be empathetic? So I stayed angry and upset all day yesterday. Went to bed mad, got up mad, got very convicted. Sophia sang that song and tears started rolling down her face and I realized that somebody we love is soon gone and I thought to myself, why in the world am I mad at my wife over the fact that she's right and I want to be wrong and be okay there. I want to be mad. I want to be able to say what I want to say and do what I want to do and Treat people the way I want to treat them. And, and let's be honest, maybe some of you are there too. And maybe you need to hear the words of, if you can't see everything that God has done for you and you want to complain about the things you lack, forgetting the things that God has given you, then you are in the wrong. We need to come back. Stop beating up the protection of God. Number two, God will speak in unique ways. To stop you. Matter of fact, you see that verse number 29 or verse number 28. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you to deserve such a beating three times? Verse number 29 is pride. You made me look. It's all about me and how I look. You made me look like a fool. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I'm the same donkey. Oh, I love this verse. That you have ridden all your life. Have I ever done anything like this to you before? To which Balaam said, no. I wrote this in my notes. Number three. God is faithful. I read that and I thought to myself, God, you've been with me my entire life. So many times my life should be over from the decisions I've made. So many times relationships should be ended. I don't even deserve to stand to be a pastor and proclaim the name of God from the decisions that I've made. So many times I should have been cast down and destroyed, left out, removed. But you 
have been the same donkey that I have ridden my entire life. You have been consistent. You have been faithful. Anybody else in the house today can lift a hand to God and say, you have been good to me even when I didn't deserve it. You have been steady and you have given me rest. You have taken me places I never thought I would go. You, you, you are the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the God Almighty. You are. And at some point of our lives, we got to start beating up what God's trying to do in our lives. We got to stop going against what God's trying to stop. And we got to remember that God is good. And if life isn't good right now, what is God protecting you from? What is God keeping you from? You say, but I want to go this way. And the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He saw the angel of the Lord standing on the roadway with his throne drawn in hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell to his face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and, sh- and, and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you. And spared the donkey. And Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. Oh, I'm nasty. Thank you, DJ. Oh, look. I don't even want to touch my own hands. You know what I hear in that? I'm going to give it to you and we'll be done. Time for some of us to go home. I've been trying, God. I've been doing this, God, and it doesn't go home. And homing doesn't go quit. It's go back to the place where you rested and heard God speak. Go back to his faithfulness and go back to his truth. Stop trying to make your own way. Stop trying to figure life out. Just get back to basics. God loves you. He's faithful. He doesn't want to harm you. So stop being stubborn and go home. Get in the word. Get with Jesus and rest there. Live there. Stop kicking the roadblock and realize God's protecting you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. And somebody please give me a tissue. Brother, I will take that tissue that's in your pocket. I know it's there. She stole it? All right. Oh, 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 I got a whole box. Anybody else like me today convicted? Anybody else saying, wow, there's so many things I'm trying to make happen that I just need to let God do? Would you slip your hand up in the air? I'm trying so hard. Yes. Anybody else getting angry at the voice of reason in your life? Anybody else wanting to go against what you know you should do because you will? Anybody? Come on now. We're there, right? Here, here it is. Go home to God. Get back to faith. Get back to truth. Would anybody with me raise a hand as we pray and say these words? Ready? God, forgive my stubbornness. I return back to a reliance on you, knowing and believing and trusting. You have what's best for me in mind. You have what's best for my family. You have what's best for our church. And so instead of stubbornly going forward, May we just stay where you have called us to be in deep-rooted relationship with you. I commit my life surrendering all, confessing my sin, returning to my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you today, would you say amen with me? Amen. Before we close today, I'm over time, so I'm going to do this not as quick. I'm going to take my time. Phil, Cindy, would you come up here real quick? DJ, would you help me? Whitney, she might have stepped out to the children. It's not a fun day for me. Uh, These two have been rocks in my life. They've been donkeys in my life at times over omelets, right? Um... 
back when they were even talking about us coming back into ministry and I didn't know if I should. This man rode his bicycle to a restaurant and sat down and talked to me for, I think we were there three and a half hours, weren't we? And uh, I just to credit so much of where we are as a family to where God has put certain people in our lives to be. Whitney, come on up here. Um, she's right there. Um, Phil has been preaching to our t- uh, kids for how long now, Whitney, have we been doing this? September of last year, bringing quality sermon, deep-rooted theology to your children and written incredible curriculum. They moved about six months ago, am I close, to about an hour and a half away, been driving. And they had told me back then, we're going to ride this out for the school year, and at the end of the school year, we're going to have to find a place closer to us to build community. So today is their last day here at Grace and and um, I am mad at God for that, but I'm trusting God with that too. I'm very thankful for them, as should many of us be, for what they've done. And so we've done something for you. Um, we got a little plaque made. I don't know if you're plaque people, but we just we wanted to give you something in recognition of your service here. We put these words, innovative leaders, faith-filled examples, servant hearts. And to us, that's who you've been. We're very thankful for that. So we got you a card for a date night. There's a little bit in there. It's not much to go on a date night. Cindy, we got you some flowers. Yeah. Y'all don't eat as much as me, so you might be able to do two dates on that one. We split a meal. (laughs) We split a meal, so you'll do three dates on that one. But we love you, and we're very thankful for you. Will y'all just join me for a second? And giving them their appreciation for what they meant, what they brought, of giving. Now, for those of you that don't know, Phil found, and, and I stand by it, the greatest Philly cheesesteak omelet around in the most hole-in-a-wall place you'll ever find. In Newport. Don't tell anybody, though. Yeah. <laughs> Go get it. It's good. So, that family restaurant. Family. And in an old hotel that they don't even let people stay in. Go check that out. But we're going to have to find our place to meet. Um, I'm going to have them at the end of service just stand up front. I want you all to come love on them. Can you all do that? Can you all just hug on them for a little bit? And, thank, and let God just speak through you and encouragement into them. Many of you don't know, they've been incredible givers here as well. Um, and donating towards the building fund, being gracious in the purchase of their tractor, um, the pad, the eventual completion of closing in that awning, they have donated so many. And I know they don't like that to be said, but they've been, they've been more than just doers. They've been givers too. And so just love on them, hug on them, okay? I'm going to pray you out, and then I'm going to say goodbye. I won't be here after second service, okay? So, all right, let's pray. God, thank you for two amazing examples, two ambassadors, people that live out what we taught today. God, I pray that you will strengthen their lives, that wherever it is, what community you've placed them in, what church you're calling them to, we know they're going to benefit. That place is going to be moved by what you do through these two. And so, God, we're thankful for them and thankful for what they've meant to us. And God, give them health and strength as they go their way. But God, continue to give them community and support. We praise you for great friendship. We surrender them to you and we commit their walk to you as they have already committed their lives to you. Lead them exactly where you need them. And we're confident you will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.